Your challenge, if you choose to accept it, is this. Let's go! Let's go! Show up on day one, work out with us for 30 minutes, feel good right away. Yo! Repeat five days a week for three weeks. Three weeks? Five workouts a week. We're body, and we call that a body block. You pick the block, and you're going to love the experience. On week four, this part is really important. Take the week off. Seriously, we mean it. Rest. Go on vacation. Or try something new. Maybe some yoga. Notice you're not holding on to any tension here. Or a dance class. Get sexy with it, daddy. You do you. And then start again. Be committed to this process. Choose a new body block each month. Get a new challenge each month. Have fun every day. Avoid burnout. You're not going to quit on yourself today. This is how you reach your goals. You win? There is nothing that we can't do if we work together. Sign up for your first body block today. Visit body.com for a free trial. That's B-O-D-I dot com. Are you ready to get started? Welcome to Millennial 640. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. We have a live tarot reading happening today. <gasps> Very excited. For Halloween. Yeah. yeah. This was Laura's idea. We're going to get in the spooky mood. This is a professional. It's not going to be one of us. We didn't buy a deck off Amazon or something. We have a professional helping us out this week. So we're going to get to that in a little bit. First, though, did you two see Borat? Two this weekend. Yeah, I did. Same. Oh my god, this movie was so freaking <laughs> funny. I know. I I was actually kind of surprised. Sometimes I I go into sequels kind of expecting them to suck. Yeah. And I was not disappointed. It was typical Sasha Baron Cohen, like highly offensive in the spirit of making other people uh, drop their facades and reveal themselves for who they are. <laughs> so, so funny and offensive. I mean, like you said, Laura, like, but that's what makes it Borat, right? You know what you're getting with Borat at this point. When I saw the first Borat, what was that, like 14 years ago? I went into the theater having no idea what to expect because I didn't watch the trailers. I didn't read any reviews or anything. Just my prom date wanted to see Borat. So I was like, okay, let's go. I don't think I've ever laughed harder in a theater at that first Borat. And I feel like this one lived up to the original. It was actually way more timely than I was expecting. Like, it does involve coronavirus quite a bit. Yeah, I wasn't, you know, I honestly have no idea when they shot this and how long it took to shoot. But I was really surprised by how current it still feels because most movies take so long to get made. You know what I mean? But the fact that he was, you know, he had the the presidential election in there and he had coronavirus, like you said, and didn't just like stop filming, decided to roll with it and incorporate that into the film. It, it like couldn't have come out at a more perfect time, honestly. No. Yeah, I know some of those moments, like with uh, Giuliani, for example, the big moment that happened in like July. So there was some of this filming that was happening very recently. What did you guys think of that Giuliani scene? Do you guys think he was tucking in his shirt? No. Really? Because no. it does actually look that way to me. However, that is a weird-ass way to tuck in your shirt. He exactly. does lay flat on the bed. <laughs> yeah. Well, also, 
I'm sorry, but if you're doing an interview with somebody like Andrew, how many times have you interviewed somebody or been interviewed and been like, yeah, let me lay down on this bed that's not mine right, in front well, of the person that's interviewing? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Well, and also, it just makes me wonder the number of times that this has happened before, especially considering all, all of Rudy's involvement in Russia and Eastern Europe the number of times that he has been accommodated to where he would think this is normal behavior and not question what he was doing. Yeah. Just this past week, we found out that Giuliani got this information about Hunter Biden, and it probably came from Russia, who was feeding him misinformation. This guy can get fooled so easily by Borat, and we're supposed to trust him with a story about Hunter Biden? No, exactly. this guy is a total joke. Well, it was hilarious, too, because it back in July, he called the police on Sasha Baron Cohen when this happened. And later in an interview with the New York Post, he was like, oh, I think of all the people that Borat has gotten in the past, but he didn't get me. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> he took a no, call he card. <laughs> so check that out. That is available on Amazon Prime. I I guess it was supposed to go to theaters until all this happened. And I'm really glad that they released this before the election and they, they didn't delay it until next year because it wouldn't have been as timely by yeah, next year. would not have packed the same punch. But there are so many great moments like them getting into CPAC. Like highlight one of the highlights for me is him walking into CPAC in the clan robe and being like hi i'm Stephen miller i'm late there was some other big streaming news this week quibi is shutting down we spoke about this when it launched back in april it was a very big deal it was one of the big new streamers this year and they only lasted six months this is the app that pam told us all about it was short form video content it was only available on your phone at least at launch. They didn't make it available on your TV, but they launched it just as the pandemic was getting underway. So suddenly people weren't going out. Quibi was banking on people watching these videos during their commute, like on the subway and stuff. And suddenly they didn't have that. Um, Quibi does blame the pandemic in part, it seems. But really, Quibi, it just, it wasn't a good idea. You were asking people to commit to these five to 10 minute videos on their phone. Do nothing else on your phone, but watch uh, one of these new TV shows for five to 10 minutes. Because at least on iPhone, you can't multitask. And that's a lot, a lot of time for a video in the age of TikTok. So, you know, it's sad that they put all this effort into this. I mean, I don't feel sad for the billionaires who launched this company, but I feel sad for the fact that they did put their heart and soul into this app and then it just flopped so quickly. I don't think anybody expected it to last only six months. Yeah, I honestly forgot it existed <laughs> until I heard that it was shutting down and I was like, oh, yeah, Quibi was a thing. Well, they were also still uh. greenlighting new projects as all of this was going on. So I think that that's probably why, even though I don't think anybody thought it was going to last very long, we assumed at least a year, right? Mm -hmm. Also, to launch something in 2020 that requires you to be on your phone when nobody's on the go, everybody's exactly. at home. Yeah. Right. Well, right. and honestly, I just had a really hard time finding content that truly appealed to me. Like, I remember we all tried to watch a few different shows in order to give Quibi a review. And everything I watched was just like su super meth. Like, I love Chrissy Teigen, but Chrissy's Court was 
dumb. No, right. Um, I tried to get into, I think it was Murder Flip House, and I thought the concept behind it was really cool. Yeah. But again, it it's really tough to try and connect to concepts when you just don't have enough time for character development or like a sense of place. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the success that TikTok has in its short format is a testament to the fact that it's like, boom, go. You don't need any kind of buildup. But some of these concepts they were using on Quibi needed the buildup, but they didn't have enough time to do it. And they're also competing with all these other streaming platforms that have these great original series going on. Yeah. And these shows on Quibi were highly, highly, highly produced. I mean, a ton of money went into these shows. And when the, when shows are this good, this high quality, you don't want to watch it on your phone. You want to watch it on a TV or a laptop screen to get a better experience. But in better streaming news, The Mandalorian Season 2 premieres this Friday. This is easily one of the best. It's probably the best Disney Plus show, probably one of the best new shows of the past year. It's the Star Wars spinoff, Baby Yoda, et cetera, et cetera. I'm so um, excited. Yeah, yeah. And I love that Disney is doing this one episode a week release schedule. I love it. I actually, I think I speculated on the show that Netflix and the others would switch to these weekly schedules and they haven't yet, but they really should because at a time where we need things to look forward to, Disney Plus is making us wait for new episodes, and I really appreciate that. I mean, when Disney Plus launched, that was the best. We got every Friday, we got a new episode of the Disney Park uh, documentary series, which was very good. The Mandalorian, which is obviously very good. And um, Encore, which was very good. So like me and Pat, we didn't have a life on Friday nights. Once Disney Plus launched, we would just watch the new episodes of these Disney Plus originals. You know, to your point about... um sort of like appointment television shows only coming out once a week. I think HBO Max has followed that format for at least some of their shows because I know they did that mm. with Lovecraft Country, right? Yeah. Um, I think that was an HBO show too, though. Yeah. But... Well, mm-hmm. yeah, that's true. I, I guess you're right. I I only know that because we wanted... I love to binge TV shows. Like, I prefer to have all the episodes available to me so that I can watch at whatever pace I want. So with Lovecraft Country, we've been waiting several weeks to start it. Um, and we actually just uh, okay. started it last week. And it's like, side note, really good for anyone who hasn't watched the first episode. It's batshit crazy. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, I, I, I need to like be in a certain mood to watch this show because a lot is happening. Well, I mean, um, HP Lovecraft was batshit crazy. <laughs> So there's that. And I mean, when you you combine those elements of his stories with, you know, American racism in the era that the show is set, it creates a very interesting storyline. But yeah, there's there's a lot of very eccentric characters going on in that show. Do you guys want to hear about how I helped my grandparents vote? Oh, sure. Yeah. Okay. So I I helped them vote. But the big surprise was that I didn't realize when I got there that for some reason, they had sent my grandma the wrong ballot. Oh, Oh, no. What? Yeah. So she got a ballot from a county she hasn't been living in for like at least seven years. And the last few times that I have helped them vote, they've both gotten the right ballot. So we don't know what went down with that. But we decided that she shouldn't vote at all because we didn't want 
like, you know, a voter fraud situation, um, especially since she has yeah. a track record of voting in the correct county. And we also missed the deadline because, you know, we thought that they had the right ballots. Like, who would have thought uh, the deadline to change that would have been on the 19th? And there's no way I'm going to wheel grandma down to the polling site on November 4th and risk getting her exposed to COVID. So yeah, only my grandpa voted. She is devastated that she was not able to Aww. vote. Yeah, but Mm. this is why you got to check your paperwork early. This was a a hard lesson to learn. That's heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she was like, what do you mean I can't vote? Because she's been um, voting for decades. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you mentioned your grandparents because actually my grandma voted this past week and she's in Pennsylvania. I assumed that her and her husband applied for uh, mail-in ballots, but they didn't for some reason. So my grandma went to vote a few days ago. She waited in line. 82-year-old grandma waited in line for four hours to vote. I'm like, yeah, I know. My poor grandma having to say, I hope she brought a lawn chair or something. But like, you know, standing up for four hours. I thought they were supposed to escort the elderly to the front of the line. Knowing my grandma, she probably didn't even like ask or anything she was probably just like here's the line i'll wait oh protect your grandma at all costs that's really i know and then well and so my grandfather still has to go vote and he's apparently trying to vote on election day for some reason instead of doing early voting i'm like why also we have a little announcement for our bay level patrons we have announced our 2020 physical gift it is a t-shirt it's a brand new design that air quotes celebrates 2020 it was designed by one of our listeners tawny Uh, we gave her the idea and she did an awesome job bringing that idea to life Um, it is available again to bay patrons those are patrons who pledge ten dollars or more per month we're going to be sending these shirts out hopefully around this time next month so we're doing a really quick turnaround on this because the shirt is 2020 themed we want to get it out comfortably before the end of the year so if you are an existing patron you can upgrade to the bay level and sign up to receive one of these t-shirts but you have to do it by october 29th because again we're going to collect these orders at the end of this week and then we're going to get them off to the printer because we want you to have the shirt as quickly as possible I'm looking forward to wearing the shirt. Me it's, too. It's, uh, it's 2020 in flames. It's got five or six people wearing masks, and each of the masks has something different on them, like uh, BLM or uh, the trans flag or um, the post office symbol, things that remind you of the year. Yeah. It's, the way that I view it is it's a group of you know civic-minded activists rising up above... <laughs> the horrible year that is 2020 to defend all of the institutions that we hold dear. Um, it's, <laughs> yes, there you go. <laughs> it's such a good design. I can't wait to wear it. And even I think in 2021, we'll still be very relevant. So oh, for sure, definitely looking forward to getting my hands on that one as well. Okay, it's time for our tarot reading. Laura, tell us about our guest. Rebecca is from the Modern Mystic Shop and has been reading tarot for quite some time. So Rebecca, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about yourself before we get into it. Yeah, totally. So I've been reading tarot for 10 years, which is wild. And I came to it as part of just my personal sort of spiritual journey. I also am 
a writer and director. And so the appeal of sort of a visual narrative mode for self-reflection was really, really exciting to me. And that's what drew me to it initially. And I just kind of kept coming back to this process and really getting to know each of the cards and gradually doing readings for friends and finally kind of stepping into, you know, getting referrals and recommendations. And suddenly I found it being kind of a a gig, a thing that I actually did. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. So it's been about a year, a little more than a year now that I've been with Modern Mystic Shop here in Atlanta. And that's been incredible to actually have sort of a spiritual home for what is really kind of a very independent spiritual practice. So Yeah. yeah. Awesome. And I did have one quick question for you. um, And hopefully we can clarify this for anyone who may be wondering at home. What would you say is the most common misconception about tarot reading? Oh, that's a fun question. I think my first (laughs) initial instinct is there's two. There's two big ones that I want to just debunk hard. So number one, the idea that like, it's somehow this horror movie Ouija thing where like the devil is coming in and and telling you things or that like some dark force is getting involved. I don't, I don't think that's useful and I don't find it to be true at all. So we're not calling on anything uh, really outside of ourselves at all, except for greater awareness. And secondly, the idea that tarot tells your future, that somehow you're unlocking something set and predetermined, I think is also a really disempowering approach. Got it. So what you're saying is tarot is not going to tell us that we're going to die soon or anything (laughs) along those lines. (laughs) No, no. I mean, it, it will tell you kind of what you need to or want to hear, right? It's ultimately a mirror. It's a, a, a very visual and multi-prismatic mirror for human experience. And so what we put in energetically is really a lot of what gets returned to us in this practice. Well, that's awesome. Thank you for the clarification. And we'll definitely keep that in mind as we move forward. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Yes, absolutely. You're going to do a couple of readings for us. And the first one is going to be for us as a panel. So that would be myself, Andrew, and Pam. And then after that, we'll be doing a reading for our listeners. Yeah. Yeah, because they need help too. So we're, <laughs> we're, we're dedicating some time to them. <laughs> okay, brilliant. All right. So I think what we had discussed is sort of let's use this opportunity as we start to kind of round the corner into the home stretch of 2020 to give us uh, a focus and some maybe a tool to help your team navigate the rest of this wild and wacky year. Who knows what it has in store? This is why I don't (laughs) want to tell the future, right? (laughs) But yeah, shall we go ahead and pull for you? Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Excuse my my quiet airtime as I take my spiritual moment, talk amongst yourself. Oh, yeah. No, it's so, fine. It's just you're... stressing me out. This could make or break my night. <laughs> oh, my goodness, no. No stress. Remember, there's no bad news in the tarot. Got it. it. All okay. useful. Okay. Right? Useful. So even if something comes up that we don't like, we are bringing it into new awareness. And therefore, it's actually good news because we can now navigate that with more clarity and consciousness. Okay. Okay. 
Got it. Okay. And what actually comes up for you is not bad news at all. It is a card called the Four of Pentacles. And uh, this is what it looks like for the video. And let's describe it. Who do you guys on the panel want to describe it for your listeners? What do you see? Um, Well, first, I don't want to be offensive (laughs) in my my description. So, like, please feel free to let me know if I'm off base. It, It looks kind of like... Some sort of king mm-hmm. holding pentagrams and standing on pentagrams. <laughs> is that correct? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that is a great first start. And he's got one. We call them. Uh, they're like they're round kind of coins, right? So there's a star stamped on them, but it's not. Again, for those of us who are getting really spooked out, it's not upside down. We're not summoning anything. It's really just a symbol of a coin, which represents our resources, which points us to the material world. This is a whole suit in the tarot. Just like playing cards, tarot is broken up into four suits. And so we have the pentacles, which is letting us know that what you guys want to focus on for the rest of the year is going to have to do with your resources. And as you noted, he is holding all of these coins super tight, right? He's got one stacked on his head. He's got his feet on two of them, and he's clutching one right across his belly. (laughs) So this speaks to a moment of really wanting to hold on to and stabilize your resources. Mm. So when this energy gets out of balance, it becomes a squeeze and not a hold. So this would be kind of my pointer to, to your team is as you navigate the resources through the end of the year, you know, stretching through your final quarter, make sure that you're holding and not squeezing. And whenever you feel that tension that we see here in this card, let that be just a little reminder to you to breathe and relax and go from there, right? So there's a difference mm. between holding it down and holding it back, holding it too tight, when you're so focused on clutching as this figure is, you don't really have a lot of room to receive and you can't participate in any sort of healthy flow. Interesting. Is, okay. So are you telling us we need to delegate? <laughs> like, would delegation be something that would be helpful to us as we work through this final crunch of the year? Yeah, I think delegation could be helpful. And I think even reframing it away from crunch, right? That that notion of the breath instead of the squeeze, we want to just hold. So even not, yeah. not so much looking at it as a crunch of the end of the year, but maybe the stretch of the end of the year, just those subtle reframes yeah. will actually support you in maintaining the stability that is associated with the numerology with the four on the card. I like that. I like how you talk about not being uptight and you know he's holding the these tight and we shouldn't because if you're very uptight you're gonna just get more stressed out about things whereas if you carry these things a little bit lighter with you if you're not so paranoid about these things that tightness that i'm getting then we'll be able to make it through the year a little easier just just let things happen as they're meant to happen if you absolutely yeah i was gonna say i feel like that's especially relevant going into you know next week with the election i'm sure we've all kind of been like clutching (laughs) (laughs) as we try and figure out you know how how to handle the home stretch so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's totally a, a collective energy and laura as i'm sitting with what you said i really do i love the idea of delegation Um, As a way where if we each hold one of these coins, we all have one free hand 
And we all have what we need. So right? true. Ooh, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, this, it, it resonates with me personally, because I know, I know this about myself, one of my stress behaviors is if I feel like things aren't going the way I think they should, I'll tend to like try and take over some dominion of something and be like, nope, I'm the only one who can do this. Um, and then and then it all ends up going to shit. So I feel like this is a sign to me being like, let go. Just like let go. Give a yourself bit. some credit. Beautiful. I love that self-awareness. That's so lovely. And I'm glad that it was able to catalyze that for you. That's exactly what we're after, or at least in the way that I, I do this practice. I like how Laura's like, I try to take over and then I ruin it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, I mean, like, you know, when you end up like biting off more than you can chew and then Mm -hmm. because you do that, things like you might have done better with the things you had if you hadn't taken on so much. Yeah. You know, I feel I feel like I see that tendency in myself sometimes. And by the way, Rebecca, side note, um, our listeners are chatting along with the stream and they think that you have the kindest voice. Um, (laughs) Jemima uh, down in Australia says, I've fallen in love with her a little bit, to be honest. Oh my goodness. Thank you, Jemima. (laughs) I want to come to Australia. So hit me up. (laughs) Rebecca's just warming you all up because she's about to drop some truth bombs on you. Okay. That's right. right. False sense of security. I'm luring you in. No, it's a it's a real sense of security. Shall we do it? Shall we do yeah. it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So whoever you are, wherever you are, whenever you listen to this, if you're finding it, it is for you. That's the intention that I'm setting. So uh, okay. with that in mind, broad scope, let's see what comes up. Okay. I'm excited. We've we try to offer our listeners help, but it's never too helpful. <laughs> what do so we know? so I think this will be more effective. Yeah. No pressure. Geez. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We stay in the realm of the pentacles that we talked about. And what comes up for y'all is the king of pentacles. So here we're still in again that pentacles is that earth realm, right? So we're really dealing with whatever you regard as a resource. Traditionally, this card is associated a lot with finances and work. And also, I think it's really helpful to think about it also as the body, as the community, as sleep, right? Time, anything that grounds you, anything that connects you to this earth plane, being a human in a body, that's really what we're talking about. And when we have the any of the face cards, so the kings, the queens, the pages, and the knights, they all describe a personality. And if you're doing a personal reading and you get a whole bunch of these, I do take that as a sign that maybe other people are having a really strong influence on you at that time. However, given the context that we have, where I think we want to use this is to call on this aspect of ourselves. Mm. So... Kings represent an outward energy. This is masculine in polarity, which is just an essence and a direction of movement. Has nothing to do with your genitals or your business or even your your gender identity. Really, it's just about polarity. So it's an expressive outward movement. And it's also a king, so it's mature. There's a level of mastery here. So everyone who's listening, I encourage you to use the rest of 2020 to really master your resources at a new level. And this doesn't mean 
approaching them and like a panicked, like, oh no, I've got to master my resources. Rebecca said, let me like go read 20 books and get it together and like invest. <laughs> it's not necessarily about coming at it from that way, which is more of an assuming that you lack that mastery. Instead, I take this as a big affirmation that if you found your way to this, you've been doing this work and you can actually trust that mastery. So I want to encourage you, if you're hearing this, to act as if your resources are really under control. Move in the world as if your needs for tomorrow are already met today, right? Go ahead and take that step of trust in yourself to act like you've got that like big daddy king energy. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. That's the name of the episode, big daddy king energy. (laughs) (laughs) Next year's t-shirt that we make for listeners. Oh my God, I love it. (laughs) (laughs) No, you know, what's so interesting about that, I think a theme of this year, and this is something we've touched on on the show, is like, we're all in quarantine, uh, or many of us are, many of our industries have been impacted by the pandemic. And in some circles, not this circle, but in some circles, there's been pressure on people to be like, well, if you're at home all year, you better be mastering something, you better be learning another language or learning an instrument. And it's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially when you're juggling all the same things that you do, even when the pandemic isn't in existence, you know, you still have to work. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Why should I pick up another task? Maybe I just want to sit on the couch and, you know, veg out for a little while. I don't want to start learning violin or whatever. (laughs) Yes, totally. I have also felt that pressure. And yeah, Yeah. I I want this to just encourage everyone to look for the ways that you are already embodying this mastery, right? So uh, instead of focusing on your to-do list, your challenge is to like focus on your to-done list, right? What did did you Mm. already do? Give yourself some credit for the ways that you have shown up. It's a really good idea because too often we're focused on, okay, I did this. What's next? I did that. What's next? Mm -hmm. It's always about what's next. And actually, one of our listeners, Zach, gave me an idea similar to this probably close to a year ago. I have this to-do list thing Uh that I, I, this notepad where I keep track of things I need to do in the week. And he suggested instead of throwing these pieces of paper away once the week is complete, actually save these Mm. and keep them all in a jar or something. And then, you know, you can look at that jar, let's say a glass jar and be like, wow, look at all that shit I actually did accomplish in the past week. Because you really do forget so easily. So I like that you said that, Rebecca, because you you really do have to appreciate all you're doing. Your big daddy king jar. (laughs) (laughs) i love that so much that's my arts and crafts project this weekend a big daddy king jar (laughs) it kind of honestly makes me want to take an approach towards like a to-do list of not like pre-scripting my to-dos but just like putting some checks on a piece of paper and leaving them blank and then at the end of the day putting what i did next to the checks you know, like being oh, like, I know, I'll, yeah. I know I will do things. I just don't know what they are yet. <laughs> and that's okay. <laughs> what a great way to like reverse engineer your priorities too. Because when you look at what you have done, you can really see clearly what what is mattering to you in this moment. Mm, yeah, yeah. It's I, I find it really cool 
and actually our social media manager, Jewel, mentioned this as well, that both the host reading and the listener reading drew up pentacles. Do you think that's something that's sort of relevant for everyone across the board this year? Well, I mean, ultimately, tarot is so universal that all of it is kind of always relevant. Like, it's it's just basic human stuff. So we're all going to come up against some aspect of it at one time or another, in one way or another, often again and again and again and again, <laughs> right? Yeah. But yeah, I do, I do think that uh, we have been really called in because, you know, our bodies are in so many ways on the line, right? As as a broad international human collective, we've really been forced to grapple with the the practical restraints and requirements of being a human, of keeping yourself safe, of caretaking the body, of caretaking the collective body. And everything kind of percolates out from there in terms of our resources, in terms of our movement, what we define as our world. In some ways, our world is shrinking. In some ways, it's getting bigger. Uh, Yeah. So I do think there's a big, big, broad relevance here. And it may have to do with the tone um, of of what y'all discuss here, of what you set here on the Millennial Podcast. Mm, Yeah. Excellent. Well, that was very interesting. Thank you, Rebecca. I feel soothed. Yes, I feel soothed. This, I, I feel a sense of calm. This is wonderful. <laughs> it's in part because Rebecca is presenting this information to us in a very calm and soothing manner. <laughs> That's true. <manner. laughs> <That's true. laughs> kind of fun behind the scenes facts. Laura and I met with Rebecca over the weekend and Rebecca did a demo and she pulled out a death card and she's like, it's not what you think. It's not what you think. <laughs> she said it calmer than that. <laughs> yeah, no, she said it calmly and Andrew and I sat here and laughed nervously. <laughs> we were like, okay. <sighs> it was reversed, you guys. It was death reversed. It was death not happening. Just like that. Uh, I, <laughs> okay. oh. Oh, I love it. Mm. Well, Rebecca, where can our listeners find you if they'd like to book some time with you or learn more about tarot? So you can find me right now. I'm really just operating off of my personal social media. So uh, at Becca, B-E-K-A-H, Suella, S-U-E-L-L-A-U. I'm sure you can find that in show notes or what have you. Um, But that's where I am on Instagram. And you can book me through modernmystictarot.com. Just go on there, go down through the readers. I am at the R's under Rebecca. You can check me out there if you need some uh, further time slots, DM me. And uh, also, if you are distracted by the stunning faces of my fellow modern mystics, please book with them too. I vouch for everyone. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, if anyone's uh, personality, image, story catches your eye, definitely all of us sort of have these related sort of very grounded coaching approaches to the tarot. So vouch for all. Awesome. Well, this was my first tarot experience, and it was very enlightening and fun. So I appreciate you joining us today on the show. Thank you all so much. I really appreciate what you're doing. And and thank you for reaching out. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you for making the time. This was wonderful. Yeah, I agree. Okay, bye. 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 The Discord loved her. (laughs) She was great. (laughs) I know. I feel so soothed. Uh, so relaxed to go into a third love ad read. 
Jules says she's holding me to that Big Daddy energy jar and will require photos. I thought it for was Big Daddy King energy. Yeah, Big Daddy, Big King. Daddy King. Thank yeah, you. That's Big the Daddy important. King. Uh-huh. That's what makes it. Yeah, you really can't special. just be a, a normal Big Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> this is not going to be great for this house because we already jokingly call ourselves Daddy here in the house from time to time. So, <laughs> but know. who's the King Daddy? <laughs> well, now I'm the King Daddy. Thing. I am the danger. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god breaking bad reference yeah, yeah i know <laughs> well some of our listeners might think i've lost it so i just wanted to clarify <laughs> well i mean you have but that's still a breaking bad reference <laughs> separate issue <laughs> no I'm, yeah i'm kidding okay well we are gonna launch into some trumpster slash rona fire slash pre-election coverage but before we do that i want to take a quick break to tell you something that requires no debate and their third love third love can help you find your new favorite bra with high quality comfy styles starting at just 45 dollars. they use millions of different measurements to design bras with all day comfort and support they run in cups double a through i including half cup sizes and bands in 30 through 48. And they stand behind their products. If you don't love it, exchanges and returns are free for 60 days. I've been wearing Third Love's 24-7 Perfect Coverage Bras for the last couple of years, and they are heavenly. They're super supportive while still being mega comfortable with memory foam cups, no-slip straps, and scratch-free bands. That's because Third Love creates better bras that focus on what matters, keeping you comfortable. No shortcuts, no substitutions. And they have so many styles now, from modern stripes to lace that actually feels soft, to their number one rated classic t-shirt bra, there's a style and fit for everyone. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone, so right now they're offering our listeners 10% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash millennial now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 10% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash millennial for 10% off today. Kathleen in the Discord says, I kind of miss having the Trumpster Fire and Rona Roundup intro music played over each other. Well, you're in luck, Kathleen, because Laura really wanted to combine segments again this week. So here we go. (laughs) Stop back. So if Trump loses, are we going to immediately ditch the Trumpster fire music? I know he's president through January, but I just feel like it'd be a lot. Of, it'd be really great if we could get rid of that music sooner rather we than later. We already talked about this. Like, I would if be he loses, he's going to put up a fight. So we're going to have to use the music for a while anyway. <laughs> What's the Biden segment going to be called? <laughs> Biden glory. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know. We'll have to think about that. Some glorious music. Hallelujah. <laughs> The second and final presidential debate occurred last week. It feels like a lifetime ago already, so we don't really need to spend too much time on it. But it was definitely a more civil debate. It was nice to see. I guess you can credit the mute button. Everybody was like, they're not using it enough. But my understanding of the mute button was that they were only using it during those two minute response times. The rules were they didn't they weren't going to use it during the crosstalk areas because during a debate, there is going to be some of that to some extent in a civil debate. Trump really did tone it down this debate. Of course, he was much less of a bully. And of course, a lot of people, I don't think a lot of people on the left, but a lot of people on the right said he very clearly won the debate. 
Who won the debate, Laura? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, in terms of substance, Biden. Yes. In terms of performance, no one. Uh, The moderator. Like, uh, it, it was not a very... It's not a very remarkable debate in that it was kind of boring, like presidential debates used to be back in the good old days, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. I-, I will say, per to Trump's performance, from what I was reading, he was getting a lot of guidance leading up to this third debate from his advisors about how he really needed to tone it down for this one, because... Even though he, you know, he probably appealed to his hardcore base with that first debate performance, it didn't do very well with undecided and more like traditionally conservative voters. Right. So I think that's why he toned it down during this one. You could tell he was starting to lose it towards the end. Like towards the end, he started interrupting a little bit more and shouting a bit and sweating. Yeah. <laughs> um. And saying, like, giving us such great sound bites as I take full responsibility for the coronavirus, but it's China's fault. Yeah. You know, to be clear, he was still classic Trump. Yeah. <laughs> he was still lying and still flip flopping and everything else he normally does. Um, but it was refreshing to see the debate this way. And about an hour in, I was like, OK, can we just end it now before Joe Biden makes some horrible mistake or anything? like everybody i was sort of just waiting for the pin to drop i don't think anybody expected trump to abide by the mute button rules so it was a pleasant surprise i can't believe i'm saying this it was a pleasant surprise that that he didn't try to to shout over you know into the void anyway Mm -hmm. towards the beginning um but like Laura was saying, it's kind of at this point, it's a lot of the same old, same old. Yeah. The one big newer segment that really stood out to me was all of the stuff about immigration, but that also kind of made me sick to my stomach. So I don't know if it was necessarily worth sitting through, but. But we can all look at it this way. We never have to see Trump in a presidential debate again. Woo! I hope not. Mm-hmm. That is great news i mean not to rain on your parade andrew but if he loses this election he could run again in 2024 okay come on he's not gonna do that he's gonna be in prison by then i hope so well biden made some i I would say the only questionable moment of the night for biden were his comments about oil not that i disagree with what he's saying i agree that we need to move like make the transition towards renewable energy but there are some out there who argue that these comments might have given Trump some hope in Pennsylvania and Texas. I don't see it personally. Um, things really, the needle has not moved anywhere as a result of this debate. So I don't, I don't personally think the, the oil slip, if you will, did anything. Well, some people are really hell bent on keeping with the old ways in terms of energy in this country, coal country, you know, oil. And, I wish Biden made it more clear. Maybe he needs to harp on this more. The Democrats need to harp on it more, period. We're going to create new jobs in the energy sector with solar, with wind. Everybody who has a job now in oil and coal can have a job in wind and solar and other renewable energy sources. Like, can we stop 
can we can we remind these people that there is a future for them just in a different field in energy? And that's not a bad thing. I agree. I think something that gets lost in this conversation, and, and I understand that it's hard because they're having to get the message out that is going to resonate with sort of like the largest net of people, right? Um, and it needs to be fairly concise in order to do that. Unfortunately, this is a stupid country. We make decisions based off like bumper sticker taglines. You know, it's ludicrous. But if there was some way to make people understand that part of that jobs initiative includes training, it's not like, you know, if you're a coal miner, yeah. <laughs> Joe Biden's going to come and tell you you work like on a windmill farm now and not provide <laughs> any training to get you there. Um, So yeah, I think that that is a point that is often lost in these conversations, because it's honestly one that can't be Mm -hmm. explained super succinctly. Because then you start getting people asking like, well, how does that happen? Where does the money come from for it? And um, this is news that's breaking within the last few minutes. Uh, The Senate has confirmed Amy Coney Barrett to fill Ruth Bader Ginsburg's spot on the Supreme Court. We knew this was coming, uh, but it doesn't make it feel any less shitty. We now have a 6-3 conservative majority on the Supreme Court, and there are cases related to the Affordable Care Act um, and abortion in the days ahead. And potentially the election as yes. well. Yes. And the timing of this is just incredible. I mean, we're eight days away from the election. But we knew it was going to happen this way. Like, they, they yes. were gunning for I know. it. Um, I but... say that just thinking about what happened with Merrick Garland. Obama. Yeah. Ugh. A week. I know. A darn week. I know. It's shitty. And all they can do is talk about how Democrats are trying to pack the court when that's literally <laughs> what they're doing. <laughs> right. Yeah. There's some other bills on uh, Mitch McConnell's desk that he should be passing. But nope. All about getting Amy in before Trump potentially loses the election. Well, speaking... Um, Oh, yeah. Andrew, are you going to take us into the next one? The 60 minutes. Yeah. So everybody probably heard about this over the past week. Trump and Biden both sat down with CBS's 60 Minutes. It's their big Sunday evening news show where they interview uh, big politicians and whatnot. Um, And it's made headlines over the past week because Trump had a hissy fit. He whines like a little baby. Um, he walked out of the interview because the questions were too tough. And I don't want to play the clip because it's a couple of minutes long. But if you watch this clip, you'll see one of the most immature people on the planet. And he's our president. He's complaining. He's literally looking at Leslie Stahl and saying, you told me the questions are going to be tough. That is unfair. Why are tough questions unfair? And he says, oh, you give Biden the easy questions, the easy questions, which just isn't true. Trump is picking a fight with an 80-year-old <laughs> 60 Minutes news reporter, and he wants to make that the story this week. It just makes him look weak, and it just reminds us that he's not capable of answering tough questions or taking on big issues for the country. And that's why he's such a terrible president. Yeah, this I, I watched the full 60 Minutes interview um, for all I'm four. I'm so sorry. Yeah. I mean... It it, it was hilarious, but also, you know, at least informative on the Biden-Harris side. And actually, Biden did very well during this interview. He was looking straight into the camera when he answered a lot of those questions to talk about specifically how this would impact the people watching at home. So I thought he did really well. Um, 
I had to laugh because at one point when they were sharing some of the behind the scenes footage after Trump had stomped away, Kaylee McEnany, who's the press secretary, (laughs) came and handed Leslie Stahl this like thick tome and was like, the president just wanted you to know this is his health care plan. And like dropped it on her. There was no health care plan. Nope. In this fucking book. The book was huge. I mean, it was laughably large. (laughs) Oh my God. There was no healthcare plan in there. It was it was a photo op. It was a moment for Kaylee McEnany to to tweet out. I just the way that she did it too, like the level of sass when she walked over and was like, the president just wants you to know this is his healthcare plan. Okay. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) And then see you later. I'm gonna go feed him his bottle. Yeah. And then when Pence came for the interview. Leslie was like, so what happened? And Pence was like, well, you know, the president, he just tells it like it is, Leslie. <laughs> and he just That's went Trump. into that. Yeah. That's what people like That's about him. That's just what he I does, that you know. Point. <laughs> That's just Donald. That's who the American people voted for. <laughs> Excuse me, Leslie. <laughs> My chief of staff has coronavirus <laughs> and four other eights. <laughs> I'm so glad you mentioned that because that was that recently broke. And Pence is continuing to campaign despite CDC guidelines. He won't quarantine. I guess he's changed up some of his travel plans, um, but he's still out on the trail. Yeah, it looks like there's been another outbreak in the White House. I mean, who can be surprised, really? But if if we find out that Pence has coronavirus as well, days before the election, it's just going to be another grim reminder of how horribly the Trump administration is handling this pandemic. And over the weekend, Mark Meadows, Trump's chief of staff, is like, we can't control it. We're we're just waiting for a vaccine at this point. Yep. And it's like, wear your masks, like, hunker down. (laughs) Do what the rest right. of us are doing. Right. Well, yeah. They won't even they they want to mitigate the coronavirus. So tell everybody to wear a mask. You can't get control of it. Fine. Mm-hmm. So crazy. You know, have you guys seen this uh, point brought up that masks have been the new seatbelt debate? I haven't read too much into this, but back when the government was trying to mandate seatbelts in cars on a federal level, there was so much pushback. Can you imagine now not having seatbelts in cars? Yeah. It's a very, a very small sacrifice for people to make. But for some reason, people are freaking stubborn. Yeah, I think, I mean, there's every possibility that some of our parents might remember when this was a thing. They would have been very young. But my mom was telling me that, like, even, you know, like her grandparents were really resistant to the idea of seatbelts, which was ironic because one of them later ended up getting in a car crash in which the seatbelt saved their life. So (laughs) it's like, hmm, Hmm. funny how those work. Yep. Yeah. Obama brought up uh, seatbelts. A few years ago, he was still in office and he held a forum on gun safety and he was really trying to push this idea that, like, I'm not trying to take your guns away. As a matter of fact, uh, gun gun ownership has increased under my administration. You're welcome. But just like (laughs) with cars, there need to be safety protocols in place when it comes to operating guns. And polling shows that the country actually does want stricter guidelines around guns. But it's this loud side of the right, the the NRA f- people who just don't want any change whatsoever. Indeed. 
Well, uh, we are going to move on to a lighter topic here momentarily, but just wanted to plug this resource that 538 has. They have a really cool electoral college map where you can go and make your own predictions about how every state, but particularly the key swing states, are going to go in order to see what the different possible electoral college outcomes will be next week, um, as well as sort of like the likelihood of those outcomes occurring. I had some fun playing around with this the other day and coming up with the different scenarios that I could see playing out. But I thought it would be fun if each of us tried to predict one of the swing states, one of the battleground states, and which way we think it will flip. Mm. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I realize this might sound a little a little crazy, but I feel like it it could happen. It's it's going to be tight, but it could happen. I think Georgia is going to go blue. Oh, that would be huge. Yeah. I'm getting mm-hmm. a boner as as you talk <laughs> about this. Go on. Keep going. Me too. Give that's, it to me. That's that's it. I, that's my <laughs> battleground state. Okay. I'll say Ohio is going to go for Biden. That's bold. I was debating between Iowa and Ohio, and no offense to people in Iowa, but I feel like they're a little more uh, Southern, even though they're not in the South, <laughs> a little more country. People in Ohio, you know, you're closer to Pennsylvania, you're closer to the East Coast. So I, th- I feel like you're a little more liberal. Then again, they're right next to Pence country. I'll also be a little bold, and I will predict that um, Florida will go for Biden. And that's kind of like a wild card state. Yes, it is. Um, And I just think that it would be sweet, sweet justice if it did, because, you know, Trump spends a lot of time in Florida. He has a you know, vested interest in Florida, but... He lives um, there now. Yeah. yeah. Also, so. the reason I love that pick, Pam, is um, Florida could very well be the early linchpin in the evening um, mm. because Trump can't win without Florida. There, There's not a path to victory for him that does not include Florida. That's true for a number of other states as well. But given that Florida is on the East Coast and also Florida counts all its absentee ballots before Election Day, we will... most definitely know which way Florida is going unless it ends up being super close, like a 2000 situation with Bush v. Gore. Um, In all likelihood, we'll know how Florida is going to go on election night. So if Biden wins that, we might have a result much sooner than what we're thinking. If Trump wins it, then it's going to be a really long night and week. (laughs) Right. Right. Month. I was looking at some of these other states that are um, supposedly, you know, kind of up in the air right now. They're battleground states, swing states, whatever you want to call them. And um, just looking up how they they voted overall in 2016. And it is kind of crazy to remember just, you know, how close it was for some of these states. Like I was reading that Michigan is kind of up in the air, but maybe leaning towards Biden. But Trump won that by a hair and the same with, you know, a state like Pennsylvania and stuff like that. So it's going to be an interesting night. Yes. Wasn't it really um, like 60,000 votes total across three states yeah, that yeah. pushed the election it was so into Trump's favor? Wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- that's the thing. Trump likes to push this idea that he won his election in a landslide and he did not. First of all, he lost the popular vote by 3 million votes. 
and his electoral college win was not a blowout. Well, but Laura, you're not taking into consideration the five million illegal votes. Right. Well, and also all the dead people who voted, too. Right. <laughs> that was his argument. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know what's really interesting? Fun fact. So um, I know some of us are te- texting with Team Biden. I was um, running or I was on a text campaign for Texas voters last week. And we found out on like Thursday of last week that as of last Thursday, more people had early voted in Texas than actually voted in Texas in 2016. That blew me away. And it did give me some hope because Democrats tend to be the ones who turn out early to vote. So it made me excited. I don't have the stat on hand, but I saw it going around on social media over the weekend. Apparently, the Youngs are really coming out in full force in early voting so far. Thank you, Gen Z. Thank you, Taylor Swift. Wonder... Thank you, TikTok. <laughs> we can I talk about if... this more in a future episode when we see all the data. It's going to be really yeah. interesting to see. But yeah. go ahead, Pam. Oh, I meant to bring this up and shooting the shit, but it's kind of a weird show this week. Um, over the weekend, I was I was driving around my area, and I uh, ran into not one but three different uh, pro-Trump. Uh, you know, I don't even know what to call them. Car caravan situations yeah 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 and it was just like so weird to see that in the bay area you know (laughs) i expect to see pictures of that in the deep south maybe from like laura's neck of the woods but i i it did kind of make me wonder if you know like trump's been pushing this idea of like the red wave is coming and the red wave is coming but but like i i just kind of can't help but feel like maybe they're starting to worry that it's not actually going to come so it and they were not like big ordeals but it was just really funny to see all of these people with their the same truck, you know, the same <laughs> kind of person behind the car, yep. the same everything. Um, just you big know, wheels, no around. muffler, truck yeah. flags, YMCA. Exactly what you would expect is what I saw, and I just like I felt like I had been transported into a completely different area of the country. Yeah. Well, the thing I think it, that's very important to keep in mind here, of course, we've been harping on this idea of not getting complacent. Um, and there's a lot of really positive news out there, a lot of trends that would appear to be in our favor. Um, but what I'm sort of taking away from this right now is that the Trump campaign is having to spend money in states that they should not have to spend money in. The fact that the whole Trump family came and visited Georgia last week or a couple weeks ago yeah. They shouldn't have to do that. Georgia should be in the bag. It should not be close for them. Texas is the same way. There, it shouldn't even be like a blip on our radar. Right. The idea of a possibility that Texas could flip blue. I still I'm like, not sure. I don't really think it's going to this time, but I think it's going to be a lot closer than it ever was. And oh, that's yeah. a that's a testament to you know, the turnout that's happening at this point in the middle of a pandemic, too. So, right, right. And in the future, Texas very well could be a blue state. Yeah. It's not out of the realm of possibility. Not at all. And when it does, we will have Latinx and Hispanic people to thank for it. Yeah. Yeah. Those rising populations, they are Mm -hmm. taking over that vote. I love it. But also like so many people moving to states like Texas and Colorado because the cost of living is a lot cheaper than it Mm -hmm. is on the coasts. And that's probably 
uh, contributing to shifting the the demographic of the people that live there. So yeah, or you look at Nevada too. People mm-hmm. escape California because they they exactly. can't stand those prices anymore, and they come here. And Nevada's been blue, but it's been a bit of a swing state. And you know they got two more votes than me and Pat <laughs> for, for for Biden here. So uh, you guys infiltrated just in time. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Isn't that great? You can move like a month before the election and then vote in this state. <laughs> I feel like you should have to do your time for a little while, like six months, maybe. But I I'm don't. not complaining. I think if you have a permanent address, you should be able to vote there. I actually well, saw yeah. saw somebody in a comment who was like, I own a house in Florida, so I switched my voter registration to Florida so I could vote there. <laughs> That's <laughs> amazing. Somebody who's team Biden or Trump? Team Biden. Okay, good. If it was Trump, I would have said, fuck that guy. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> uh, so, Pam, this story, when I saw it, I this had you written all over it for in terms of talking about it on Millennial. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, let's lighten things up. I would like to know first before we get into this, if you guys have a favorite MCU, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Chris Evans, of course. Of course. Especially after that dick pic. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, for me, it's a tie between Evans and Hemsworth. Okay. I love okay. them both. All all mm. worthy candidates, but you know who's not a worthy candidate is uh, Chris Pratt, who apparently has been dubbed the worst Chris of the Chris's. Um, so <laughs> this is like the craziest story. I feel like it's the worst kept secret that Chris Pratt is not the favorite Avengers Chris, but things finally came to a head last week on the internet. Uh, it kind of started harmlessly. A TV writer took to Twitter and tweeted a pic of all four Chris's with the caption, one has to go. And that's when Chris Pratt's name started trending. So for those of you that might have missed this uh, and are kind of wondering why he's considered the worst Chris, uh, there were a couple of different things that people pointed to, but some of the bigger topics that a lot of people were referencing when they were trying to state their case was, uh, first and foremost, his political views. He has been um, pretty non-political overall, but he also has been photographed wearing things like a Don't Tread on Me shirt. Um, his religious beliefs as, as well were brought up. He attends the Hillsong Church, which has been accused of being anti-LGBTQ, even though he says that his church um, welcomes anybody that wants to attend. Uh, also, some people took a deep, deep dive into his Instagram and figured out that he follows some right-wing accounts, which also kind of points back to perhaps um, some more conservative conservative political views. And uh, he was also notably absent from a Biden fundraiser where multiple of his Avengers co-stars were in attendance recently. And that kind of only added some fuel to the fire here about, you know, again, where his political allegiances may or may not lie. Um, so following negative attention, there's kind of like two parts to the story. So, so after all of that was said and done, a lot of his co-stars came out in his defense, including Mark Ruffalo and Zoe Zaldana, Robert Downey Jr., and also Gal- Guardians of the Galaxy director James Gunn. They all kind of took to Twitter along with a few other notable actors to point out that he's actually a good guy and, and people should lay off. Um, And, you know, the internet doesn't like to be told that it's wrong. And so people started firing back about how it's kind of a double standard that so many of these MCU stars were speaking out in support of Chris Pratt when nobody really said anything when Brie Larson was getting a lot of hate for asking for diversity at the Captain Marvel press tour. 
There's also been a lot of uh, comments that are unsavory that have been made towards the POC actors that are part of the MCU, including Tessa Thompson, Zendaya, and even Anthony Mackie. It's just kind of interesting that we saw a little bit more hype around rallying behind Chris Pratt and yeah. not some of these other people. I so think, that's where we are. I think what bothers me most is that there has been so much rallying behind Chris Pratt. I saw the post over the weekend from these Marvel stars. They're like, Chris, you know, he's the most down to earth, great guy. He shouldn't be attacked, stuff like that. And while I agree he should not be attacked, there is definitely a double standard here happening in terms of um, how they um, said basically nothing when Brie Larson was under attack. And also, there's a lot at stake in this election. So it'd be nice to see that Chris Pratt, too, is also on our side because, you know, you come to really like these people and then you discover that there's another side of them that isn't as attractive. It's like we run into this with friends from time to time, right? You're like you're on Instagram and you happen to notice that somebody from high school who who you like and who you would guess is a Democrat just because they seem similar to you, is actually liking posts by Ivanka Trump. And then it's like, oh, shit, they're probably Republican, aren't they? So it hurts to see things like this. And Chris Pratt does not need the help of the other Avengers. Just shut your mouths, dude. Like, you don't have to necessarily be... You shouldn't be bragging right now that, you know, he's such a great guy. Is he a great guy? Because he he has some beliefs, it seems, that aren't very good for this country or for a lot of his fans. And also, you think about like Parks and Rec, which he starred in. The real Chris Pratt is not a good fit for uh, Leslie Nope's world. Yeah, and apparently, there have been reports that he was somewhat problematic while he was working on that show, just like behind the scenes. I can't say that I'm super well versed in Chris Pratt's personal life, um, so I can't claim to know how he interacts with these people you know, or why they would feel compelled to stand up for him and and sort of defend him. But I think at bare minimum, they owed that same level of solidarity to their women and people of color Mm -hmm. Mm co-stars. Yeah, yeah. I think that it is a slippery slope if you start to pick and choose who you're going to rally behind, especially if it's something like this where where maybe they're getting some hate online, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And we've seen this too, like not just in the MCU, but also notably in the Star Wars universe as well. Um, Mm -hmm. Women uh, by and far are kind of like the first to get called out by um, really aggressive fans sometimes. And um, it, it, it really sucks. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to um, get your guys' thoughts on the idea of celebrities staying out of politics in general. I mean, I feel like at some point, perhaps this was perfectly acceptable, but have we reached a point um, where, you know, celebrities should be taking a stance one way or the other? Well, you know, I actually hate the argument that celebrities should stay out of politics because politics does concern them, too. They're American citizens as well. I hate when you see people say that. And usually when you do see people say that, it's people who disagree with them politically and they hate. You know, I'm thinking, of course, of people on the right criticizing 
liberals who are speaking out. They hate seeing that people they love actually don't align with them politically. So what do they do? They say, stay out of politics. And it's such a dumb argument because it's like, again, they're humans too. They're Americans too. They're allowed to comment on what's going on. They're not stupid just because they're actors. I mean, some are, but there's this blanket assumption that just because an actor shouldn't be talking about politics because they don't know what they're talking about. Actually, these actors have a lot of free time on their hands. They might actually be very well read on the issues, way more than these people who are just scrolling through Facebook and getting uh, all their information through uh, comments in on Facebook articles. So celebrities should be involved in politics. In the case of Chris Pratt, <laughs> I know I'm at the risk of sounding like a hypocrite here, his base is probably largely, at least the diehard base, is probably largely left-leaning. I am not sure he should be making it apparent that he is involved with a church that subscribes to anti-LGBTQ values. I don't think he should be, you know, wearing a Don't Tread on Me shirt. It's like, keep it on the DL because it's not a good look for you, these beliefs. And like, you have the beliefs. I respect that. Okay, whatever. But it it's just... That's not going to end well for you, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I just I feel this way about celebrities, really about anyone. Um, You get to have opinions about things like, I don't know, tax law. <laughs> I don't think you get to have opinions about human rights and people's rights to be treated decently. I think that at this point, <laughs> no matter what your political preference is, you're going to get hate either way. Like, look at The Rock, for example. He came out in support of Biden, I think, last month. And that was a huge deal because I think yeah. most people would have bet on him being a little bit more conservative, perhaps. And he, I think he has a more conservative-leaning fan base. And Yeah. Well, historically, so, he has been more conservative, too. So, but, yeah. but I mean, that's an example of somebody who's like, yeah, there's a very clear choice here. And I'm not going to approach it with the sports team mentality of R versus D. Right. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. It is disappointing because, again, it's like seeing a friend who you thought was on yeah, the left. You know, but, he's you know, they're actually on the right. That's why you shouldn't put so much faith in celebrities. I know it's really hard, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But it's like at some point you're probably going to get disappointed. Yeah, if you I've don't been pick lucky. the right person. I don't know what I would do if if Bruce was was a Republican. I mean, he canceled a show over North Carolina's bathroom bill. <laughs> su- suddenly, he's better on trans rights than J.K. Rowling. Like that blows my I mind. Know. Bruce Springsteen, what? <laughs> but like one day, if Bruce missteps, you're gonna cry. But he's perfect, so that's not gonna happen. Okay, well that's yeah. fair. <laughs> he came out for gay marriage in like 2008 when it was up yeah. for a vote in New Jersey, and that just like mm-hmm. meant the world to me. So, you know, oh, yeah, he was there for it before most politicians were. Yeah. Like Trump is such a losing issue right now for anybody that if you're in Hollywood, I'm not sure how outspoken you want to be if you support Trump. It's not that great for your career. Definitely not. Well, I'm sure Chris Pratt is doing just fine wherever he is. Yeah, he doesn't give a shit. He's like, fuck off, everybody. He's just going to lay low until after the election and, and, and then people will forget. Yeah. I mean, it might be nice to see him and others who get caught in this position say like, hey, you know, yes, I am a Republican, but I believe in these uh, certain issues and maybe say like, I am I am pro gay rights. 
I am pro trans rights. I I'm for gun control. Maybe step out there and share some of your uh, some of your views. They might help us because otherwise we're just kind of left guessing with what we see on Instagram. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, here we are at the end of the episode. And I can't believe I'm saying this. I can't believe we're here. But this is the last episode before Election Day. Our next episode will be released on Election Day. So next week, since we do record on Monday nights, that'll be Election Eve. We're probably not going to make that episode very election focused because whatever we say on that episode is going to become quickly very outdated. So we're And we know that people are going to be stressed. So we'll try to make it a lighter episode. I feel like we're graduating. <laughs> I, can't I believe, hope. I think Laurie has like chills right now. It looks like she's like holding herself. Oh, <laughs> what you I'm, t- I just I'm saw just, this. No, I'm just like leaning forward in, oh. into this moment. Um, yeah, I thought that we could offer some parting thoughts for folks ahead of next week when we head into the eye of the storm, as it were. <laughs> Some last minute inspiration. I'm kind of speechless, actually, just because, you know, the show has been very much in recent years formed around the Trump administration. I joked about this a few weeks ago. I don't know what we're going to do. And it is a joke because I know what we're going to do. But I don't know what we're going to do if Trump leaves office. Like, there's going to be so much less stress on America, on us, what we talk about on this show. And... I guess if I have anything to say, it's that I hope 100% of our listeners are voting this election. I hope we've at least encouraged you to do that. We don't really say it explicitly on the show, but I really hope that everybody exercises their right to vote, whether you live in this country or not, because A, it's so important, but B, it feels so good to vote. If you've voted before, I think you know the feeling I'm talking about. You have some power in this country. Your voice is actually counted. Your vote is counted. Your voice matters. So if I'm going to say anything, it's just please, oh my God, make sure you vote. Echoing that. And I would also just say, um, you know, make sure that you're not taking that vote for granted. You know, I mm-hmm. think volunteering, I've seen my fair share of people who say things like, oh, my vote doesn't matter, or I'm voting third party. You know, when you don't vote, you're letting everyone else decide for you who's going to lead the country. Uh, And when you vote third party, you're also letting everyone else decide for you who's going to lead. And I would just say to keep that in mind, try to remember the larger picture of, you know, which of these two candidates is going to deliver a version of American democracy that you recognize in four years. You're getting on a train to take you where you want to go. Which of these two trains is going to get you closest to where you want to be? And I just think about something that's been said by Trump and Biden over the past few weeks. You know, Trump has made it abundantly clear as time has gone on that he really only cares about people who vote for him. He does not care about, as he calls them, the democratic states. He does not give a fuck. A few weeks ago, he was not going to give California emergency funding for the wildfires. They quickly turned that around because that was such a stupid idea. He just does not care about anybody unless they are loyal to him. And that's not somebody we should have as president. As Biden's been saying in the context of what Trump's been doing, he's going to be a president for everybody. 
Biden doesn't have that egotistical complex that Trump has, you know, and Trump, uh, Biden is not the perfect candidate either. But like Laura's saying, he is the train, the Amtrak train, I'm sure he would say, in the right direction. And that's not really a bipartisan issue, is it? Like being selfless and, and voting for the person that, that's going to represent any, everybody and not just the person that's going to do what's best for you. You know, you have to kind of think of, of yourself on a, or like stop thinking about yourself and think about the bigger picture, because when everyone is doing good, then we're all doing good. Yeah, so we will be doing an election night hangout with our Bay patrons, by the way, and we'll be active on social media and whatnot. Um, so keep an eye on our social media channels on election night, because we'll try to be there with you. Uh, maybe we'll hang out in our public discord as well. Um, I know everybody is going to want to be together. And that's especially hard this year with COVID. You might not be going yeah. to an election party. I, whether there was COVID or not, I was not going to election, an election party this year based on what happened in 2016. No. I'm still scarred. Like I, I'm going to need years of therapy to, to get over that night. never forget the moment when Andrew and I were the only ones left of our panel in the bar where we had our party. And there was a camera crew in there for like an independent YouTube news show. And they came up to us and they were like, we can't believe this happened. Do you want to say anything? And I was like, no, <laughs> I don't want to talk to anyone. <laughs> but then thankfully, one of our listeners was like, oh, I'll, I'll talk to you. Um, so, yeah, that was yeah. traumatic. <laughs> yeah. What are we doing on election night? Like. Are we ordering pizza? Like, I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'm getting drunk and I'm ordering pizza. Yeah, I was going to go buy another bottle of vodka, but... <laughs> a bottle? I think you're going to need two or three. Well, I was going to get the big one from Costco, so I would oh, okay. hope I don't need two. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, we're getting all of our favorite comfort food and we are getting a nice uh, supply of alcohol and uh, I'll have my weed handy, so that'll be good. I think we're also going to draw all the curtains so that, like, none of our windows... Like, I'm in Trump country. Like, <laughs> I'm I'm terrified of these people. So oh, my I'm, God. Oh my draw God. the curtains. <laughs> yeah, I just... I want to make sure draw nobody's, like, looking Put at our the house. Furniture they in all front know. Of the doors. Maybe. We'll see how this goes. I hope I don't have to end the night by chugging Pepto-Bismol straight from the bottle like I did last time. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, to uh, settle my stomach because I oh. was physically ill over Oof. how the results were turning out. I really hope we get some answers on election night. It's it's how are we going to sleep that night? We we need some answers. Not... We need some hope on election night. What am like... I going to do if it goes bad and I'm crying all night and you're not there to pat me on the back, Andrew? <laughs> That's how it went last time. <laughs> I'll give you a high five on Zoom. That's a Zoom feature. There we I'll, go. I'll, I'll we give can you a cry heart. on Zoom together. I'll give you a heart on iMessage. There we go. <laughs> if you still that's... had your Apple Watch, I would send you my heartbeat. <laughs> oh, yeah. Can't you do that on the phone now? Uh, maybe. Yeah, we'll I think to, you can. Yeah. We'll have to check that out. Pam, can you send us cookies that you bake? Um, yeah, if you guys give me your new addresses, I'll send you cookies. Wonderful. I'm kind of kidding, but... Definitely I not. I mean, if as you well. send me your address, I will send you cookies. <laughs> <gasps> oh my God, I almost just choked, gasping so hard. Okay, well, we should probably wrap it up in closing on that segment. 
take care of yourselves, everybody. I'm sure most people won't be listening till to the next episode until maybe after election day. So take care of yourselves on uh, election day. Yeah. And know that we love you all. Yeah. And like turn the news off. Honestly, at this point, you know, you don't need to watch anymore. Just take a little break. Stay hydrated. Do some breathing exercises and and uh, and then come back with a fresh mind on the fourth if you so choose to tune in live. Nothing that happens over the next week is going to change the course of the election. So you don't need to be tuning into the news hoping you're going to hear a new story that's going to ruin Trump or Biden either way. You know, unless one of them collapses, uh, nothing's going to change anything. So I like that idea, Pam. Before we get to recommendations, we just wanted to say thank you to everybody who supports us on Patreon. We really appreciate your support. Uh, we're having such a great time producing the extra content over there, like After Dark and Hashing It Out and our Bay Hangouts. And now this physical gift. We're so excited to send out this T-shirt. And by the way, if you are a patron, please make sure you upgrade to the Bay level if you do want that T-shirt ASAP and sign, fill out that form by October 29th. And then we're going to get that shirt to you as quickly as possible. If you would like to become a patron, we would love your support at patreon.com slash millennial. It is the reason why we do this podcast. When we started the podcast back in the day, we said we we need financial support because we need to be able to spend less time trying to make money other ways <laughs> so we can actually create this podcast. And you guys have turned out big time. So thank you very much for your support. Patreon.com slash millennial. Okay, it's time for recommendations. So we've all heard of the social media accounts Rate My Dog. Well, I came across a new one this week. It must have popped up over the past few months at Rate My Skype Room. And they take screenshots of people as they do interviews, you know, for CNN or whatever. And (laughs) whoever's running this account is rating everybody's rooms where they're doing their broadcast from. Oh, it's so great. It's so great. Some people flop because maybe they have a bad camera angle or bad lighting. But what I love about this and one of the dare I say, bright spots of the pandemic, is we've had a look inside every single person's home on the planet at this point. Every celebrity, you've seen their home, their backyard. Every news person, you've seen their home at this point. It's a lot of fun. Um, So follow it. They're tweeting all day, every day. I think it's a, it's a good way to cope with the pandemic and the situation we're in. And actually, it's a kind of a nice reminder that we're all in this together. And it might inspire you to refresh your space. Um, I want to recommend the chirp wheel. I don't know if anyone's seen this on their social feeds. Um, But as people who are spending a lot more time sitting at our desks at home, you might start feeling some back and muscle pains. But with the pandemic, you can't get to a chiropractor or a masseuse. Um, I don't know how well you can see this. Looks like this tire thing. Yeah, there we go. Oh, okay. This is the smallest chirp wheel. Um, This one is the deep tissue massaging chirp wheel. You can use it to do a deep tissue massage on your back or on your neck. Um, They have two other wheels, a medium size and a larger one. Oh, my God. If you've ever used a foam roller, you know the feeling of using the foam roller and you get those great back cracks. Well, these are great because they're so much thinner than a traditional foam roller. So they actually go between your shoulder blades. And I was rolling around on these things for like 10 minutes today, and my back feels so good. I got so many great back cracks out of it. Um, I'm just loving it. You can use the smaller one for lumbar support when you're sitting at your desk chair. Um, They're just wonderful. Highly recommend 
Um, definitely need them because I've been feeling like stiff and sore lately and these are helping. So that's a great tip. Thanks. I'll check that out. Mm-hmm. I'm going to check that out, too. Um, I wanted to recommend Over the Moon. It's the new animated movie that dropped on Netflix on Friday. It's super, super good. Um, I cried. So keep the tissues handy. Uh, it's about a girl who s- decides that she is going to try and figure out how to fly to the moon so that she can prove that the lunar goddess exists. And it's just um, so great all around. The music's great. The animation's great. It's uh, great for representation. And it's just a lovely little film. So would recommend checking that out if you want something lighter to watch. Excellent. Laura, what are we doing in After Dark today? Ham and I have put together some real-life scary stories narratives that we are going to deliver for y'all today. These are super creepy, and I'm really excited to dig into them because, as I said, they all happened. So there are going to be things that we can freak out about together. And I thought this was just a nice little nod to Halloween. This is obviously the scariest Halloween we're ever going to experience because it's like three days before the election, <laughs> this election in particular. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just wanted to give a little nod to spooky season with that. And you can hear that at patreon.com slash millennial when you pledge at the $5 level or higher. And by the way, when you do pledge, you get a special RSS feed that you can pop into many podcasting apps so you can listen to. The main show, ad-free, with After Dark attached to it, just like you do the normal Millennial Show podcast. So thank you very much. By the way, it's a little late in the show to mention this, but we would also love reviews on Apple Podcasts. So if you could leave us a new review, we would really appreciate that because it's been a while since we've gotten new reviews in there. And also follow us on social media if you haven't already, especially this week, because we will be all over social media on election night, I think. Millennial Show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, especially Twitter. Check on the Twitter, even if you don't uh, have a Twitter account. Just go to twitter.com slash millennial show and see what we're up to because I'm sure we'll be tweeting from there or at least I will be I, I don't tweet on my public account anymore I just use the millennial show Twitter account to retweet funny shit I see and comment on things that I think our listeners would like and if you have any feedback about today's episode you can email millennial show at gmail.com or use the contact form on millennial show.com and by the way on millennial show.com we have our complete episode archive maybe you want to relive the episodes around the 2016 election. I don't know why don't know you would why. do that. But if you're into that kind of thing, if you're into pain, that might be something you want to listen to. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.